Patreon.com slash the walk-off podcast. Uh, $4 a month gets you in there. Baseball, Blue Jays, and more baseball. It's the walk-off with Scott Belford and Adam Mack. This ball is crushed. The diehard podcast for the casual fan. And another one. My goodness. So we actually were lucky enough to sit down with the one and the only Ben Nicholson-Smith. So BNS, friend of the show, he's joined us almost half a dozen times, I think, at this point in the podcast. Uh lifeline if you will well over 3,000 views on youtube already we're not even 24 hours in since releasing it a lot of interest in what bns had to say and he had some really interesting tidbits on just where the jays were at with otani the direction they were going with pitching he touched on alec manoa if you've yet to get a chance to see that uh get on it because it is some really good stuff as we head into what is hopefully going to be a much busier month with December hitting uh, when it comes to free agency and stuff like that. So we'll be able to see where Ben was at and where the things actually land here. So, uh, by the way, also speaking of guests, Alan Roden, one of the Blue Jays' top prospects, that is going to be released tomorrow. We talked to him last week. Of course, available currently on Patreon. That is an exclusive there. However, public by tomorrow morning so be sure to check that out and then we also looks like are going to have some chats with Arden Zwelling and Shai Davidi a little later on in the month here as uh, we've reached out to them and they have responded so uh, we'll be lining up interviews with the Sportsnet guys okay that's the 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 tease here for what's coming up on the podcast over the next week or two I'm Scott Belford, joined as always by the best co-host in the biz, Adam Mack. This is the walk-off mailbag, Monday morning mailbag on a Tuesday afternoon kind of day. We comb through all your interaction every single week. Believe me, we have had literally dozens of, uh, or hundreds of comments and questions. Sorry, you threw me off with the face you just made. What did you oh, just drink, Adam? <laughs> it's my coffee. I I put too much cream in my coffee this morning. So it's gross. It's just, you'd think that it tastes like too much cream, but it actually tastes like too much coffee because I knew I put too much in. So I took a big gulp of it and then I added more coffee and the ratios are just all over the Way place. Off. So That's I'm drinking worst. black coffee, essentially. <laughs> Sorry. I just I to... walk off. <laughs> <laughs> I walk off podcast on Twitter or X, whatever you call it. The walk-off podcast on Instagram, and of course, the Patreon bump happens automatically. If you are a member of our Patreon, you get instant access to the Discord, where we go over the comments and questions there. And of course, Patreon itself, you get automatic, your questions and comments get in. All right, there we go. We did it. The housekeeping's done. Housekeeping is done. Okay, well, let's get to it then, shall we? Yes, sir. Uh, last Friday, you wore a nice blue hat. Hmm. And I questioned whether it was turquoise or yes. what was the color you suggested? Well, I, I suggested aqua and then oh. got pushed back from you and said, I don't know. Was it a sea foam, perhaps? A, a teal. Uh, right. A, a teal. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Mish just wanted to weigh in on Patreon. She said in the turquoise color palette it is aqua so we have our resident colorologist uh weighing in and i can't can't argue with that so there you go and i had no idea about the turquoise color palette until she pointed it out so you know one of those things where the day's not wasted till you learn something that's not the saying the day's <laughs> never wasted till if you learn something. Wow. All right. <laughs> well, that's, all right. We're on it. Let's kick that cat down the road. Um, next one comes from Patreon as well. Uh, Johnny commented on Friday's episode and said, okay, question for you guys. If, and this is a great question, if Vladdy has a big season this year, 2024, you wait until 2025 when he repeats it and proves he's worth the money 
to give him an extension, right? Like, does the price go up all that much by waiting an extra year? So if he hits, I'm just going to put the number out there, 35 to 40 home runs this upcoming season. Do you try and get ahead of free agency? Offer him a contract with one year remaining? Or do you just wait, battle it out with everybody else in free agency? Because he does make a good point that with Vlad being so close to free agency already, he's going, like, if he has a good year, he's going to need a big money incentive to not bet on himself for one year anyways and just test free agency, right? So what do you think? I think this is really going to depend on where Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is, how he feels, what his thoughts on Toronto as his long-term home is, and where the player development people within the organization with the Blue Jays feel he's at. I mean, the truth is, yes, the price will go up in free agency. If he has a good year next year, and then even a down year in 2025, you're going to be competing with 29 other teams. A lot of them may view a 27-year-old Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to still have a lot of upside and to roll the dice on it. I think if you recognize Vladdy as a guy that you wish to build around, next year is the year you make your move. And if he wants so does you and turns down a mega contract, the writing's on the wall. And you can go from there. And it's also going to open up opportunity in 2024's offseason to load back up on assets. Maybe, I mean, the, the truth is they talked, this front office talked about an extended window, right? That was the mm-hmm. big thing Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins were selling when they came to the forefront of this front office in 2016. We would like waves of talent. Remember the waves analogy? Right, <laughs> waves of talent coming in. And as it sits, 2023, these core players that they have been building around for years in Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in Bo Bichette only have two years of control left. Some major decisions need to be made next year. And so if Vladdy isn't the guy that you wish to build around, then I think letting it play out and him going to free agency and you getting a second round draft pick as compensation, something that, I mean, also, by the way, the CBA is going to be up that year. So who knows what's going to happen? If I was the Blue Jays and have determined Vladdy is the guy, next offseason is when I make the move. And if you determine he's not, go get some returning assets. I'm I mean, with you. it sucks. I, They're in a weird spot, right? Yeah, I'm with you. I think if we have... Okay, so I will acknowledge I don't think the price goes up if he has back-to-back big seasons. Like, if he has a big season next year, he's already had the first yeah. big season. So, from his standpoint, he's not going to take $170 million because he's unproven or I don't even know the right words to put here. So yeah, I don't think if he has a bad off, if he has a bad season this year, I think his, his money does take a hit. Um, But yeah, if he has a good season, I think the money doesn't go up by waiting, but I think there are other advantages, not like beyond the, saving dollars that would motivate you to sign him or at least make the realistic offer um this uh, you know following this season boy i'm really stumbling right now um which you mentioned like from a team management roster construction you know if you want so does you which i love that term that you came up with there uh it's a great point though go hard like he has a big season this year Hits 38 home runs, offer him that $300 million contract or whatever, whatever it your, is. Your top dollar is. Whatever your top dollar is, you offer it to him. And then when he says no, then you trade him. Because I, I don't think. 
if he if he's that adamant about going to free agency, I don't feel like again, this is really conditional on but you have to give him your legit like top yes. of the market offer. Like may sure, yeah. play the negotiations, go back and forth. But after this offseason, give him your best run. And then you can leak the numbers to the fan base if you want. Like if that's sure. what it comes to, like that's business, right? Like it's nothing personal, mm-hmm. but say, Hey, we offered Vladdy 13 years, 470. I'm just pulling numbers out of my yeah, ass. Right. Obviously. But we offered him absurd money. Here's what it was. He said he wanted to go to free agency. So we traded him because that was what the team needed to do. Right. And then you fucking trade him for a haul or whatever. Or I guess you trade it him before be, you leak it, but you trade him, and then be, after there's hurt feelings, that's when you leak and you say, "Hey, we wanted him to be here forever. He didn't want to. We offered him uh, again. Whatever the offer is, has to be good enough that the fan base isn't going to riot, right? Like if you say, "Oh, we offered him two twenty five over six, or you know whatever," the fans are going to be like calling for Ross Atkins' head on a pike. So. Yeah. And there is a very comparable comparison out there currently in this year's free agent market with the New York Mets and Pete Alonso, who is on his final year of his contract Mm -hmm. there. There's a lot of rumors swirling around Pete right now that he may be on the move, that the Mets might be trying to turn him into some assets. The rumors are they've made extension offers to him over the last year or two and pete has chosen to continue on his path towards free agency and only time will tell if the mets do wind up actually moving him but the mets have already stated that their eye is on 2025 so it makes total sense for them to move the biggest asset they have and get a return on him rather than just take the second round draft pick compensatory consent. Well, it's a great, um, it's a great comparable. I think with the Mets also being a, I mean, they're at another level than us in terms of payroll, but make no bones about it. We're a top five or six payroll in baseball. Like we're a top, we're at least luxury a tax and payroll yeah. that is also underachieving and having like disappointing results, right? The Mets spent big. They have not seen any really fruits of their financial labor. I am grateful that they are a year ahead of us with Pete Alonso, not a year behind us. And with Pete Alonso being a similarly aged, same position as Vlad Guerrero Jr., I think that it's just a no-brainer. That's the starting point for trade talks. Like, if they are to trade him, whatever they get, right? Oh, we got a roadmap for what we got three top 10 prospects and an MLB replacement level guy or whatever the case is, right? Then, okay, that's where Ross Atkins starts his phone calls with. He goes, hey, Mm -hmm. we just... Everybody in the league just saw that's what Pete Alonso cost. Vlad, very comparable, I think, right? Power, first baseman. Yep. I think that's, you know, similarly aged. You're going to get one year of of whatever with him before he goes. Same like what uh, Pete's going to get this year if he gets. It's just especially a great in the scenario to Johnny follow, gave, I think. Especially in the scenario Johnny gave where Vladdy does have a, a bounce back year and he does right. have a really high end season where he's putting up 35 bombs and hitting that 120 RBIs. Yeah, you need to turn that into assets if he's not going to return to Toronto. That's just the business of sports. Would you feel confident if the Jays signed him long-term big money contract after a good season next year? Would you be still worried that he might be a bust? Or not a bust, but that he might not be worth every dollar that we're giving him? I would really need to see how he plays before I made that that decision that said yeah man 25 year olds find it all the time right that is kind of the year Aaron Judge made his big debut and and really established himself as a premier power hitter Vladdy had that mega 2021 as a 22 year old and 
three years have passed here. The 2024 season is going to put him at that age 25, which was Judge's rookie season. If he has I'm another... being optimistic here and glass half full, but yeah, if Vlad finds the power he was missing this year, I, I think it's for real. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if he ha- if he shows that he can make the adjustment again uh, to major league pitching and whatever he's struggling with, get past that, then I'm going to have more confidence long-term that even if he does have another down season, that he'll also be able to go into the off season and, and make the tweaks necessary. Especially if he hits 40, Adam, because oh, you know sure. what? You don't luck into 40 home runs twice. You just no. don't. That's true. That's true. Um, now, if he has a 270 with 25 home runs season again, Ooh. that's a tough spot to be in. That's a really tough spot to be in because you're probably almost in that realm where you're like, do we push it and see where he's at at the trade deadline? Because you might even get more for him at the deadline than going into the beginning of the season next year. It's a tough spot. Vlad really, for everyone's sake, including the Toronto Blue Jays front office, needs to have a big a year. Big, like Ross Atkins' job might sort of rely on it here. I mean, I know everyone who just heard me say that is like, Ross Atkins can't lose his job. but <laughs> <laughs> He needs to, and he can't. That's the opinions of the public. Um. Okay, well, there you go. Good question there, Johnny. Um, I lost my track on the notepad here. Where did it go? Okay, we've got Greg Kennedy on Twitter. Says, here's my thoughts on questions you posed from Friday's episode regarding Davis Schneider. I would take the over on 20 home runs next season if he plays enough. Which, of course, leads into the next question about the plus or minus 93 games. I'm really not sure at this point. will depend on what the roster looks like next season. As of this point, I think he will play 100 games and hit 20 plus home runs. The dude has legit power, no question about it. 20 home runs in 100 games. It's a lot. It is. He played 35 games and hit 8 bombs. So that kind of, uh, you know evens out to about 23 bombs over 100 games. So if he keeps the pace he had when he started 2023, that is Yeah, 20 home runs in 100 games. That's a 32.5 home run pace. So I don't know why I'm not there with Davis Schneider being a 30 home run guy at the major league level. Because baseball is all about sample size and your entire baseball career watching career has been based around the idea of that you don't make hard decisions on 35 games. You're actually being incredibly logical as much as I love the babe more than anything, you know, like, <laughs> um, how was Davis Schneider acquired? I know like we drafted him, right? But what? Yeah, he was, he's, he was, uh, do you know where he was Jay drafted? Like, 28th uh, round, I think. 28th round. Okay. So that's probably a factor. Drafted in the 28th round six years ago. That's probably a bigger factor in my evaluation of him than what the awesome portion of a season he had last year. Whether that's Mm -hmm. fair or not, I'll admit, may not be fair. Maybe it's totally fair. I'm definitely rooting for the guy. Oh, of course. This is what it's so funny, man, because I've had numerous people reach out on Twitter being like, I don't understand why Adam's so down on Schneider. And I'm like, he's not down on him. He's just, (laughs) he just isn't a hundred percent sold. He's going to be the solution, right? Like, cause let's face it. If, if Davis Schneider hits 20 home runs in a hundred games, platooning at second base, uh, that is a huge part of turning this franchise around to being a playoff contending team. Listen, I'm not saying that the, this, uh, team needs to be turned around by the way i understand they've made the playoffs it's just like they're not winning when they get to the playoffs so if david schneider can provide that sort of power in a let's face it platoon secondary role wow massive 
And if David Schneider comes out and completely wins the second base full-time spot and puts in 120 to 140 games, I mean, that is just about as good a scenario as you can get. Can I just ask how this would even play out for this to be possible? Like how, barring bad tacos, we haven't used the term bad tacos in a while, right? Our our non-jinx code word for injuries. Barring bad tacos, how does he only play 100 games if he has 20 or like more than 20 home runs? Like how do we not, if a guy's showing 30 home run power, how do we not just be like, okay, you're the second baseman? Like you, like how does he get to twenty plus home runs in limited action? Because I feel like if he's getting a home run every five games, that should indicate okay he needs more playing time. Not he's he's good with with this much. It would be a split scenario where they're looking at the numbers and maybe they feel that he is a um, detriment when facing lefties and that they would prefer to have someone with better splits in that scenario in whether it be Kevin Vigio, right. Okay. From the left-hand side. Fair enough. I, I think it depends a lot on how well Vigio does too, because if Kevin is putting up above average numbers, it's going to be really difficult for the, listen, we watched it happen last season, right? If you're raking, they're going to find a way to get you in the lineup every single day. Now, the thing with David Schneider is that he didn't have all sorts of hype around his top prospect, yeah, uh, around his draft. He he was never highly touted as a prospect. He was never pushed by the organization. He truly forced the Blue Jays' hand in every call-up from the time he was in low-A Vancouver. Yes, he was playing in Vancouver when they were still a low-A team. Every time he's gotten called up, it's because they literally had no choice. He was raking. Double A, that was the scenario. Triple A, that was the scenario. The fact he made his Major League debut last year was honestly all on his back. It wasn't some part of the developmental team pushing him, right? He was never supposed to make it. He's a 28th round draft pick. And so... That's kind of the scenario we're going to watch Davison again this season. Is he going to be handed the second base position? No, he's not. Is he going to be given an opportunity to show he can do it? Absolutely, he will. And, and I think Kevin Vigio slumping would really, and Schneider succeeding would really open up a spot for him. It also depends what happens with who are they bringing into play third base? What other internal options are coming up? Yeah. Is Addison Barger considered higher on the depth chart than Davis Schneider? And is Schneider going to lose playing opportunities to Barger? This is an interesting scenario for the Blue Jays because they do have so much internal depth that's kind of pushing its way to the big leagues. And we'll need to see what happens in trades and how this offseason shakes out before you can really do any legitimate predicting of where guys are going to slot in. There you go. Good luck to Davis Schneider. We are yeah, all rooting absolutely. for you. And we'll reach out to Davis. He'll be on the okay. show again before we, we get to spring training, I'm sure. Totally. totally. Okay. Uh, Trevor from Patreon says, Hey, boys, have you seen the picture of Kirky? Guy looks the slimmest they've uh, slimmest he's ever been. You can see it. His face is even way thinner. Could have a major production and longevity impact. Uh, he has a family to take care of. I hope he takes that really seriously. Big year incoming. I love this comment for a few reasons. Um, I think it's a great point about his family and the longevity and all of the talk about the bad body for a catcher and just how does that play out for an extended career. So to see Kirky, 25 years old, Maybe taking his conditioning a little more seriously is good stuff. Um, I don't know, Adam. Do you have the ability in editing will to throw up the picture, or is that going to be uh, a pain? That's you're asking a lot from me. Maybe right. we'll see. If it's up, okay. You know, I did if it. It's up. If it's not. Congrats, folks. If not, just Google Alejandro Kirk uh, off season or whatever. I'm sure it'll be up right away. Like 
it, I found the picture, no problem. Everyone's posting it, but he does look really good. Of course, we play this game all the time, right? We we did it with Vladdy in 2021. Look at the picture of Vladdy. We did it with Santiago Espinal, right? Remember when, uh, what what, what was everyone Swoliago Espinal, right? When he got all buffed there, yeah. so. Uh, and I did laugh in Discord. I forget who it was. Maybe it was Rinks where he was like, he does look really good, but is this just the true classic tees that are constantly in my algorithm? <laughs> it's like, you know, oh, is yeah. it just a, a, a well-fitting t-shirt? <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of those recommended to me too. Alejandro Kirk's 2023, he had a 1.9 B war. So that was less than half of the war he put up in 2022 when he had a four war, he had a batting average of 250, only 93 hits. That was way down from 2022, eight home runs. His power was down. His OPS was a 692. This was a huge drop in production for a guy who had a truly breakout season in 2022. He had a hundred points higher on his OPS, 50 points higher in his slugging percentage. And it's easy for recency bias to creep in. But Kirk truly was elite at the catching position in 2022 while handling duties or uh, sharing duties behind the plate with Danny Jansen. And it again, we all pine over Gabriel Moreno leaving. But in 2022, the tandem of Jano and Kirky was the best catching tandem in baseball. Both of them were ranked in the top 10 catchers in baseball. It's easy to sit around and be upset about Moreno, but my God, a bounce back season from Kirk would do so much good for this Toronto Blue Jays organization. And I think that the catching position is a spot where we could see some real um, advancements from 2023 from both Jano and Kirk. And listen, I'm being very glass half full here, but, I guarantee there is no one on this Blue Jays team who would love to take all the Gabriel Moreno tears from the fans, all the bad body type comments, all the negativity that he got from 2023 and shove it right back in everyone's face. And I'm rooting for him because a successful season for Alejandro Kirk is only going to be good news for this Blue Jays team. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, you'll be super impressed to know that I don't have to edit the Kirk picture in post-production because I was able to get it up live while we were recording. So this is why you're the best co-host in the biz, bud. It was super clumsy, but we got the picture up there. So there you go. Um, okay. Uh, Thanks for the question, Trevor. Um, next one, we're going to talk, uh, Patreon promo a little bit. So, MLB Monday yesterday. We do MLB Mondays every Monday. Uh, that is a Patreon exclusive perk. Uh, yesterday, we covered the Cardinals signing of Sonny Gray. Jeff Passan reports on Shohei Otani and Tyler Glasnow's value uh, on the trade mm-hmm. market and what kind of contract he's going to get. I didn't even realize how uh, injury prone Tyler Glasnow really is. I think that's, yeah. I mean, we, we said it probably a dozen times yesterday. The talent is undeniable but he's only pitched over 120 innings last year over only a, yeah, last year was his career innings high in twice innings in his career 120 wow just i i again i that's a risky big contract to hand out at the end of this season potentially um year old tyler glass now last year of his contract or last year of uh control with the rays uh i started the episode uh with a story of some drama over the weekend at my kids hockey game which yes. I won't get into. If you want to know what it is, uh, sign up for Patreon and watch yesterday's episode. Uh, but Johnny in Patreon commented, I would be slow clapping you for playing that song, Adam. Why are people so damn uptight? LOL. So if that doesn't intrigue you enough to sign up for the Patreon, uh, nothing will. Uh, but $4 a month gets you in on all that fun stuff. And we do have two new Patreon members, by the way. Welcome to uh, Gerald Felipe. And to, um, where is it here? Jenna. Well, I can't find it now, but Jenna, 
<laughs> my apologies. She's I'm like share last name, but yeah, there you go. Just like share <laughs> Jenna, just like share one name. Uh, but yeah, welcome to the Patreon. You too. Uh, always glad to see the uh, Patreon growing. So $4 a month gets you in there. Uh, Patreon.com slash walk off podcast. Uh, we do have a lot more content too. Um, we are, I think we talked about this publicly last week, but we are writing a baseball comedy series. Yeah. Hey, commie. So, Hey, commie, actual screenwriter, uh, is doing a lot of the heavy lifting with this. So this isn't Scott and I thinking, Oh, we're comedians. We could write a sitcom. Uh, this is Joel. Who's an actual has an IMDB page. So he's legit. Um, has a passion for baseball with us. So we're writing this uh, together. And every Wednesday, uh, we meet on Zoom to hash things out. We film it. That goes up for the Patreon. So for all levels of Patreon, you can watch our weekly kind of recap and uh, discussion on the directions we're taking this series. Um, and then to our highest Behind tier. Behind the scenes writer's room Behind stuff. Behind the scenes yes. writer's room. Yes. Um, so that's every Wednesday. Um, and then at our highest tier of support, uh, the $25 tier, we're sharing access to our Google Drive with all our documents related to the show. So Mish is the one that I think asked for this. Uh, character bios and stuff like this uh, will be there, as, a, as well as a bunch of other fun stuff. Uh, Joel actually just finished up the first draft of the pilot episode, 33 pages. That is in the Google Drive right now. I haven't even read it yet. I know how, what happens. We've planned this whole thing out yeah. together but it'll be fun to uh, actually read that so that's up uh right now um plus more for the patreon uh my top 10 for november is out now this was going to be a top 10 tv milf list but that felt it felt sexist felt sexist that's the right word i'm looking for um so in light of my new discovery of the Letterkenny spinoff, Shorzy, uh, this is the top 10 TV moms I'd be so good to. I'd be so <laughs> good to them. Um, so interpret that however you will. Um, but my top 10 list, that will be out this week. Pick a number between... Between five and ten, because I don't want to reveal the top, top. By the way, sorting them, the top half of my top ten was a lot easier than the bottom half, if I'm All doing right. reverse order. Like, five through ten was easy to sort. Four through one, it was a real... Sure. Where's Deborah? Deborah! Deborah! She is the reason for the list. Yes. Um. Oh, I've lost it. I had it here. Oh, it's in my notes. She's she's not number one. I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> You're like, I'm going to tell you right now. She does it for me, but not number one does it for me. She's number three on the list. Wow. So that's a very good ranking for Deborah. Well pretty done. high uh, ranking yeah, pretty for high. old Patricia pretty, Heaton there. Pretty high. Pretty, pretty, pretty high. Uh, yeah, uh, it's actually a list of 11 cause I came up with 11 and I just couldn't cut anybody. So it's a special list, uh, 11 on there. That'll be out. Uh, I think I'm just in the editing process of that, but that'll be out by Thursday to get it in technically still in November, which brings us to December needs a top 10 because why not? Um, so there is a poll on Patreon right now. You can go and vote at, uh, a top 10 list for me to do. For December, it is a Christmas-themed list because I celebrate Christmas, and that's a good enough reason. So go vote. Uh, your options are top 10 Christmas songs, top 10 Christmas movies, top 10 Christmas treats, beverages, snacks, foods, etc., and top 10 Christmas TV episodes. So right now, there's nine votes in, and eight of them are for top 10 Christmas movies. So... Okay, so it's running away. With Everybody it. just wants to know if I consider Die Hard a Christmas movie. I know that's why people are voting for that. So yes, there you go. And then you are also doing your top ten. Mm, how are we describing this? Top ten women 
That'd be so good to women, not necessarily moms. That Scott would be so good to. Yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> uh, so lots happening on the Patreon is the point of this. Um, plus, there's uh, by Discord the way, access. Yeah, and I, that's what I was just gonna say is that you do get instant access, by the way, to all of our interviews. So, yep. if you are someone who likes the work we do with the minor league prospects and stuff like I'll that. On. We always put it out to the public. So there's no pressure on you, but if you want it now, four bucks a month, there you go. You get instant access. All right. There you go. That's a good ad. We just did a, a full fledged ad for our we're, Patreon. <laughs> we're proper uh, people at this now. Yeah. So there you go. Um, okay. Into the discord. Ian says, so my buddy got a cameo for his wife from Gibby, and he was definitely smashed by his pool. It was awesome. I love it. I love this so much. I It's just such a small comment that like could have easily been lost in Discord, but I just saw it, and I was like, oh, man, I can so see Gibby just sunburned out by his pool, drinking Miller Lights, laying down some promos for his... <laughs> His Gibby show and answering his uh, cameo messages. What a day in the life, eh? Oh, I what love a day it. Day in the life. Yeah, wearing a Mets hat now. Of course, of course, the new bench coach for the New York Mets. So, congrats to Gibby, one of our faves, friend of the show, by the way. If you have yet to check out our interview with John Gibbons, he gets into all sorts of baseball stories. One of the best baseball storytellers around, I think. Uh, we also talked to Shay Hillenbrand. And he gave his rendition of the interaction between him and Gibbons, the, the fight. The and, Gibbons, Hillenbrand fight. This is a in the uh, early shit. 2000s. <laughs> it was clear that Hillenbrand, I mean, was is in a much different place in his life than he was when he was playing. Uh, owning and operating a zoo will change a man, as they say. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. We brought up Shay Hillenbrand to John Gibbons, and it was just funny to watch his, like, face as he was like oh yeah no i don't want to talk to that guy like yeah but had to be polite about it when we were like oh you two you should have uh shay hillenbrand on your podcast and he's like oh yeah blah blah, blah. it's just i don't know makes me laugh <laughs> uh man maybe that'll be the finale of his podcast before he joins the mats get shay hillenbrand on i mean that would be an awesome final episode it? <laughs> i think we should go spam the comment section on uh yeah. on the gibby show and say Get Shay Hillenbrand on. Let's go. Okay. Um, Friday, I suggested I'd be okay with Kevin Biggio at third base in 2023. Um, I cited his new approach at the plate, his power swing as being uh, something that interests me. Was exciting to you? Yes. Um. Got some push, got a lot of pushback on that in the comments. Um, and Alex on Patreon says, Kevin had a good August and September, granted, but it was still less than an 800 OPS, and he hit two home runs in the second half. Let's not go crazy. And he's probably right. He's probably right. And I, man, did I ever feel like, I was like, Alex, you stupid bird. You don't know anything. He hit more than two home runs in the second half. And I don't know how fast I went to baseball reference to confirm that Alex is an idiot, only to find out that he was absolutely right. <laughs> um, and I was just like in disbelief. I was like, I feel like a dozen times in the second half of last year, you and me and Joel, who have our group chat, were texting like, oh, another BGO bomb. Yeah. He didn't even hit 12 all season. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So I don't know where I'm. If he was just hitting like monster foul balls to the upper deck or what. But he's in my brain with registered power and uh, I still can't shake it. But apparently it's good. Not great. It's above average. Constantly goes through these waves where he looks like an everyday player and everybody is like, you know what? Maybe he is, but honestly his best value truly is being that super utility guy that moves all over the diamond and maybe trying to shoehorn him into a different position where he's taking on a bigger role is not the play. 
Probably not. You're probably right. So <laughs> my like, apologies. I mean, I, and back sense. off the Biggio bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, we got two more to get to. We're going to end with one from Mish. But when I checked the votes on the top 10 list for the Christmas movies, uh, Marcus G snuck one in to the mailbox just in time. Um, so like three minutes ago, this message starts with trying to squeeze this in for today's mailbag, colon, fluff question. You had me at fluff question. Uh, how would you structure a hypothetical Otani offer leveraging the fact he won't pitch in 2024, which might not necessarily be highest guaranteed money, but would be intriguing to him based on additional clauses. So he was provided two options. Uh, first one is do a one plus one, maybe a 35 million in 2023 and a player option for 55 million in 2024, or higher total value with an opt-out favorable to the player, like 500 million with an opt-out after 2025 if he pitches 100-plus innings. I mean, the truth of it is, dude, I think that that is the way to go. Look at the way this Blue Jays organization structured. Look at all of the free agents that are going to come to fruition in 2025. Bo is gone. Vlad is gone. There's a lot of moving parts there's a lot of guys who are going to be a year away from free agency, like Kevin Gosman, like Chris Bassett, like, uh, I mean, Bassett's gone in 2025 as well. Springer will have one year left. So a lot of decisions are there. So if you give Otani that $500 million contract, right, give him an opt-out after two years, and if he decides after two years he's leaving – I mean, the rebuild is on. And honestly, as a Jays fan, if they pull that off, I can't really complain. And if they pull it off that way, why wouldn't they go all in the next two years, right? Like if you get Otani. Yeah. Um, it's It's a fun fantasy to have. I think there is an interesting wrinkle the fact that he isn't going to be pitching this upcoming season um may never pitch again right like depends how he bounces back from the injury um i'm sure there are creative ways to structure a content or to structure a contract i'm not smart enough to figure those out um but i do want to address this detail of the Shohei Otani thing. Because we, when we talked with Ben Nicholson-Smith yesterday, we talked about, you know, just casually brought up, he's like, well, you can't, like, there's no, I don't remember what we were goofing around about, but the idea of, like, a warranty and how you don't have a, yeah. you can't have a warranty on Shohei Otani because he's a human or whatever, right? And then someone in the comment section said that, like, well, the revenue that he generates is the warranty right and i just always have to push back whenever i see this that like and i'm not saying that that's what this comment specifically was getting at but so many times i see people who say give him whatever he wants because he pay like he paid the value that he adds pays for itself or whatever right like you can give him 500 million and he generates a billion dollars in revenue so you're actually making money by paying him whatever. And it's just like, that's just so far from like the reality of, of what he actually brings to the table. Um, so I just always have to like, it grinds my brain to a halt when I see people commenting that think Shohei Otani's contract will pay for itself just in the additional revenue. Like if that was the case, his agents would be aware of that and they would be leveraging that for so much more money. Like if over the lifetime of his contract, he was going to generate an additional 500 million for your franchise, they would build that in and they would use that as their argument. Well, you need to pay us 800 million because 
500 million you're getting back anyway so it's only going to cost you 300 million or like whatever but there's just well they're probably doing that though dude to push it from 300 to 500 million maybe i mean here's here's i i I see the pushback and i do agree that there's no way shohei otani is worth one billion a year or something like that now that said if Shohei Otani continues to be the unicorn he is, continues to make history with the things that he is doing, continues to be this dominant force for the next even three to five years, you're going to be able to look back in history and tie his name to whoever the franchise is that has him. There's going to be a lot of money to be made on the back end of things, selling Otani jerseys, having him come to like, all of the, you know, how they had the the 92 World Series celebration and then the, the 93 World Series celebration this year. You're going to be able to do that with Otani constantly, whether it's World Series or not. The Otani days. Um, look at Babe Ruth. I mean, he is still synonymous with the New York Yankees. And if you're a corporate entity such as Rogers, there is going to be value in having your brand tied to someone of Shohei Otani's ilk. I I do I do think that it's not going to be instant return on investment, but in the long haul, yeah, I I have a hard time not believing that he's going to be completely awash in 50 years and worth every penny to any franchise that goes out and gets him. And I want to uh also state that I don't think there's another player out there that that's the case for. He's the closest to that, but I I do think oh, if Shohei Otani signs with the Blue Jays for whatever amount of money, do I think it leads to an increase in ticket sales this season? Yeah, but not by much. Like percentage point, single digit less than 5% increase in ticket sales. Jersey sales. I mean, he was the number one Jersey sale in baseball this year. I don't know how much that'll be the same, how much actual profit that leads to for the blue Jays though. I doubt it's in the tens of millions of dollars. I don't, I don't know how many jerseys get sold in a year. Is a million a lot? Anyways. How much is the TD crest worth? Are they going to their sponsors and being like, now that Otani's here, this 10 million you're paying for this arm patch is now 15 million. I'm sure shit like that's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. That's probably a leverage point. I guess maybe someone's got their work cut out for them then in, in those deals. Cause I mean, that's where they've got to be pitching that to the TD patch on the Jersey. It's like, Hey, you're going to have your TD patch on highlight reels for centuries to come. Truly though. Yeah. But you're just having to, that's just another layer removed from like who you have to convince of his value. I don't know if you can actually, I don't know, dude. I think everyone's already convinced of his value. I think that's why there's eight to 10 franchises that are literally going to offer a half a billion dollars to a guy who is going to have all the cards and pick wherever the heck he wants to go. Yeah, I just, I, I think he's worth the money. I just don't think that he's a, his contract pays for itself tier. Like, I don't think that's ever been a, It's just so far such a such a reach in my opinion. And so when people, Trudeau said the the budget will balance itself, you were a doubter. <laughs> well, here we are, perfectly balanced, <laughs> perfectly balanced budget, perfectly balanced budget. Uh, <laughs> hey, I mean, if anyways, never mind. Let's not get political. Yeah, That's yeah. for the Patreon only. Okay, um, great question. Uh, Let's end with this one then from Mish, who gave her rendition of the three studs and a dud for the 2023 season. And I think this encapsulates the team perfectly. So stud number one, all four starting pitchers 
stepped up, showed out in a surprisingly adverse season. Absolutely. Stud number two, the entire bullpen, blew their arms off to support the team and get us over the hump across the finish line. Uh, Stud number three, our stellar outfield. Never once this year did I doubt that a playable ball heading over the heads of the infield would be missed or bobbled. Absolutely. And the duds, our offense, sharing the blame equally between the gaggle of khakis, the coaching staff, and the often questionable officiating. So, there you go. What a great way to wrap things up. That's a nice bow on the mailbag. Thank you to everybody who has put in your questions or your comments. We do try and switch it up as much as we can, especially with the non-Patreon folks. Patreon gets the automatic bump. If you are a Patreon member, you are going to get your question or comment on the mailbag. You can always reach out to us on Twitter at Walk Off Podcast, Instagram, the Walk Off Podcast, Ben Nicholson-Smith, that episode from yesterday is out right now as we speak. We're going to get Alan Roden, uh, one of the top prospects on the Blue Jays in the Blue Jays farm system. We sat down with him last week. That is going to be released tomorrow. Both Shai Davidi and Arden Zwelling are in, we'll call it on deck as our next yeah. guests in the next week or so. We've got a lot of other great guests. Um we're working on here folks so we'll leave it at that we'll see you all on friday thank you so very much for watching for listening for hitting the like button for subscribing all that good stuff all the support the ground crew shows us is truly heartwarming all the best everybody we will see you on friday thanks for listening to the walk off podcast with scott belford and adam mack with a new episode every friday Thanks for listening.